Anyway, uh, I just want to say to you, though, that God's really moving in a powerful way. And, uh, and so uh, I really believe that in the midst of this, you know, over the next few, several weeks, we're going to be talking about the elements that really bring our lives into fullness. You know, God wants us to live in the fullness but lots of times as believers, we, we live below the level that he's called us to. We just, we just are, you know, well, we just live at a lower level and we just, we think, oh, well, you know, but God's calling us up. He's calling us up to live in the fullness of who he is. And so, you know, I'm going to talk about fellowship. Now, that's a word that's been misused. I'm going to redefine it biblically. And uh, we're going to really talk about the essence and the heart of what it really means. And, and next week, we'll talk about discipleship. And then the following week, we'll talk about ministry or servanthood that comes out, you know, ministry comes out of that. And then we'll talk about uh, the following week, we'll talk about evangelism, you know, and, and in a right way, not, you know, and, and then the following, we'll, we'll talk about worship. Now, those are the ingredients that really are important to the fullness of life. They're the importance, like in a small group or in a, in a life group, whatever it is, these are the ingredients we want to walk in, we want to live. And of course, it's all by the power of the Holy Spirit, uh, which is so essential for all this happening. So I, I just want to say, I'm extremely excited. I just feel just a new level of excitement of what God's doing here. You know, you can probably sense it. Uh, it's just, it's, it's fresh. It's exciting. And uh, so uh, I, I just, I can't wait to jump into my message this morning, but uh, just wanted to just get that first of all. But, you know, uh, first of all, the first, if you have your notes there, uh, how do we move toward true fellowship? And why is it important? Uh, you know, and, uh, well, first of all, let me just say that the word fellowship has become watered down. You know, we talk about the fellowship hall and the potluck fellowship, and it's really watered down from really what, what the true biblical meaning is. And I want to talk about that. In fact, I want to put the word up. The word for fellowship in the Bible, when you see that word, it's the word koinonia. Now, koinonia comes from two, well, it comes from the Greek word koine, which means common. And basically, what the word really means, and this is the essence of it, it means a close relationship, having heart, soul, things, and life in common. Now, let me just explain. This is what happened in the early church. You know, that this, this community forged was forged out of true fellowship. And let me just say this. You can't have koinonia with somebody that doesn't have Jesus in their life. The reason is because Jesus took off the mask, he saved us, and he brought us into, we can have such a closer relationship with somebody who's a brother or sister in Christ than we can with somebody outside. Now, that doesn't mean we don't reach out to people that are not in Christ. We do. You know, that's important. And that, that's like the fourth week we get into that. But, but the key is that you can't have fellowship with God, and it starts all with God, without Jesus. See, Jesus made it possible for us to have a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Now, our Heavenly Father loves us deeply. It took me 28 and a half years before I came into that relationship. I was 28 and a half when I received Jesus. <laughs> I know you've heard that before. Anyway, uh, but, uh, but the truth was, I came into that relationship with him, and it changed my life. Now, did God have a lot of work to do in me? Yeah, and he's still working on me. And I hope that doesn't disappoint you, but God's still got some work to do in me. And I know you look really good this morning, but I know he's got some work to do with you. And everybody said, 
Okay, good. We're on the same page here. So, so God's still working. Thank God for the Holy Spirit that comes into our life when Jesus does, and he begins to change us. We have a new relationship where we can call him Abba Father. That's the most intimate term, even more intimate than Daddy. And so we have this incredible relationship with our Heavenly Father, and he changes us, and we get to walk with him. And so it, it changes everything. So there's vertical fellowship with the Father, and then there's horizontal fellowship with each other. And let me just say this. If you don't have a good relationship with your Heavenly Father, you're not going to be able to have good relationships with the people around you. It starts with that. And so it's so important. It's so important that you walk with him in a daily way and allow him to really have his way in your life. And you know, he's not a God who gets angry with you. He's not down on you. He's not a condemning God. And uh, yeah, one of the people that came in last night said, oh, pastor, man, I haven't been in church much and I really feel bad and I, I feel so bad. I feel like I'm backslidden. I said, that is the enemy talking to you. God loves you so much. And so, you know, the point is you came tonight. We're not having church, but anyway, you came tonight <laughs> and God loves you so much. And so let that condemnation go because that's not God. He doesn't do that to us. And so when you come under condemnation, that is the enemy. Amen? So don't let him do that to you. Don't let him do Hey, none of us are walking perfectly, okay? Including me. I know, again, that's a little disheartening to you, but, uh, <laughs> but I put my, my pant legs on just like you do, one leg at a time. And the truth is that God loves us so much that he's helping us to walk in that. You know? And so just be encouraged and don't let him bring condemnation in your life. Now, uh, what I want to talk about is, and, and it's really funny how this turned out. Uh, as I was praying and preparing this message, you know, it, it turned out that the letters, the three ingredients that I want to talk about today, which really are the ingredients of true fellowship that we need to have in our lives, actually, uh, it's, it's TLC. Say TLC. You'll always remember that. Now, TLC, I know it means ton, tender, loving care, and that's not, really, I'm, I'm, that's not the answers to this, but, but anyway, TLC is what we all need, amen? And true fellowship is what we all need. So the first T, the first T is transparency. Say transparency. You know, I just want to tell you this. You cannot have authentic, true fellowship with other people unless you're willing to be transparent. Now, where does that transparency start? It starts with God. If you can't be transparent with God, you'll never be able to be transparent with other people. I mean, it's just a fact. So it starts with that. And see, that's why you got to know God's nature is loving. That's why you got to know God's nature is good. That's why you got to know God's for you. And then you can be totally real with him. And as you're totally real with him, when you're going through struggles, man, he's there to pick you up. He's there to strengthen you. He's there to help you. Why? Because he loves you more than you can comprehend. And so when you know that, you can be transparent with him. And Jesus made it possible. See, when Jesus came into our life, he forgave us and he took off the mask. We don't have to pretend. We don't have to be somebody we're not. We don't have to try to impress people. We can just be who we are because we know God loves us. You know, and so, and, and, and I got to tell you, it's so important. Now, I, I believe, you know, ever since I've become a believer, I've been, I believed in transparency. And uh, does that mean I haven't had struggles in my life? Yeah, I've, I've been betrayed. I've been wounded. I've been, you know, I've been rejected. I've gone through that. But think about it. Jesus walked on this earth, never sinned, poured his life into 12 guys. And one of those guys, what did he do? He betrayed him. So why would we think it's any different here on earth for us? If Jesus got betrayed, if he had people reject him, why would we think it wouldn't happen to us? Amen. I think a lot of people pull back from true fellowship because they've been hurt. 
And I just want to say to you this morning, if you've been hurt, guess what? Join the club. Because we've all been hurt. Unless you're from another planet, maybe there you haven't been hurt. But if you live on this planet, you're going to get hurt. But never, never let that isolate you. The enemy would love to isolate you. And so even though we get wounded, we don't allow it to stop us from pursuing real community with others. Now, you know, actually, this was about 30 years ago. Uh, my wife and I, we were hanging out together, and then we, we started dating a little bit. We didn't call it dating, but, but it was. Anyway, so then I realized that she was the person I was to marry, and we were to marry. And so, uh, and so uh, we got engaged, and the wedding was coming up. And I remember we had this very honest conversation and she said, you know, let's talk. And I said, honey, if there's anything I need to know about you, maybe I don't know, you know, please, you know, just pour it out. Let me know. And I said, you need, I'm going to tell you, you know, she said, please tell me everything about you. So I said, you know, I said, there is one thing that I want to tell you. And I I figured, I thought this could be a deal breaker. I thought maybe the marriage wouldn't make it. I mean, we wouldn't get to that point. It would just be engagement and that would be it. And so uh, she said, well, what is it? I said, well, I'm a little hesitant to tell you, but, you know, we believe in being really honest up front. And I said, uh, I want to tell you that there's times that I have terrible gas. <laughs> and she was very gracious. And, oh, honey, that's fine. You know, don't worry. About a week or two in, uh... <laughs> she goes, you really do have terrible gas. <laughs> But you know what? I've worked on it. Thank God for health and probiotics and all other kind of things. And, and I'll tell you, I'm doing, I'm doing so much better, aren't I, honey? Yeah, see, she said, okay, good. Anyway, but, but see, I, I believe it's really important to be very real with each other. And, you know, if we can't, then we really can't have real deep relationship because we're always trying to pretend we're something we're not or, you know, we're trying to cover up. And so uh, very, very important. And, and, and I just got to say, too, that, you know, actually turn with me in your Bibles to 1 John. You know, the Apostle John, I love the Apostle John. Uh, you know, he's the guy, he says in, in the book of John, he says, I am the one that Jesus loved the most. I always thought that was a little bit cocky, but, but I think he was just being honest. You know, he was John the Beloved, and Jesus really did love him. And, uh, and you know, and he writes, he writes very powerfully. In fact, if you, uh, I have verses 6 and 7 in your notes, but I'm going to pick it up from verse 1, starting with, with 1 John. And uh, he, he writes this. I'm in the New Living Translation. That's what I like about my iPad. I can go to different translations. But it says, we proclaim to you the one who existed from the beginning, meaning Jesus, whom we have heard and seen. We saw him with our own eyes and touched him with our own hands. He is the word of life. This one who is life itself was revealed to us and we have seen him and now we testify and proclaim to you that he is the one who is eternal life. He was with the father and then he was revealed to us. We proclaim to you that we ourselves have actually seen and heard so that, that, that you may have fellowship. There's the word koinonia. That you may have true fellowship. You may have fellowship with us. And our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things so that you may fully share our joy. Now notice he says, because we have fellowship with him, we can have fellowship with you. And because you have fellowship with him, you can have fellowship with us. In other words, Jesus is at the very center of true koinonia, 
of true fellowship. And so he's essential for that to happen. Now, he goes on to say this. This is the message we have heard from Jesus. And now we declare it to you. God is light and there is no darkness in him at all. So we are lying if we say we have fellowship with God, but go on living in spiritual darkness. Did you hear that? We are basically lying or liars if we say we have fellowship with God, but we continue to live in this place where we're in denial, where we're not being real, where we're not being transparent, where we're not being honest. Then he goes on to say this. We are, then we're not practicing the truth. But if we're living in the light, as God is in the light, then we have fellowship with each other. In other words, if we're walking in the light with him where we're being transparent, the light makes transparency happen, then we can, be, we can walk in fellowship, we can walk in transparency with each other. We can walk, you know, and so it's so essential. And then he goes on to say this. He says, uh, and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. In other words, the good news is we don't have to walk in condemnation. We don't have to walk under this cover. We don't have to try to be something we're not. We can be totally real. Think of all the energy that's wasted by not being real. You know, and I mean, and then if we're real, then we can have real relationship with each other. You know, and so I just want to encourage you. That's one of the reasons that we're, we're really, we're amping up uh, our, our home group, our life groups. Uh, and you, there's a table out there. You can check it out. Uh, but, but you can be, a, 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 you know, a, just a, a host. And what that means is we have, you know, we have great curriculum that you don't have to teach. You know, it's just, we have DVDs. We have a, but the main thing is you're doing life together. And that's, that's the key. So we really want to encourage that. And uh, so number one is that, and I, Proverbs 27, I, I love this. See, when you're transparent, then you can receive correction or help from another person. <clears throat> and how many know we need that? Amen? I thank God for my wife and the Holy Spirit because they, they work on me. They, they team up on me. And how many know I need that? You don't have to say amen on that. Okay, Proverbs 27, 5 and 6 says this. An open rebuke is better than hidden love. That doesn't sound that way. You mean to be rebuked is better than love that's hidden? Yes. You know why? Because there's times where we need truth to be spoken into our lives. Now, we do it in love. We don't hammer a person. But we speak that truth. Into, why? Because we need that. Man, I need that. You need that. We all need that. We need to have people that can really... And see, when you know that that person is being real and cares about you, you can receive it. Then it goes on to say this. Wounds from a sincere friend are better than many kisses from an enemy. Now, I know the kisses from the enemy feel better, but what really changes our lives is when somebody will, will have the courage to speak truth into our life. You know, there are times, let's be honest, there's times where maybe we're headed for a cliff and we don't see it. Now, if we have a friend who says, well, I don't want to say anything because you might be offended, that's not really a friend. You see, a friend is going to say, you know what, this may offend you, but you're headed into something that's very, very detrimental to your life. And I want, to, I want to pray with you. I want to help you. You see, when somebody says that, that rescues you. And that's friendship. You're willing to risk rejection because you care more about the person than what they think about you. Amen? And so you got, we got to have that. We got to have that honesty and that transparency. Okay, that's number one. The T stands for transparency. The L stands for love. Say love. If you remember many years ago, some of you, it was before you were born, but you've probably heard it. The Beatles 
who in all their stuff, they did come up with some truth. And this was one. But they sang a song. I'd like you to sing with me. It goes like this. All you need is love. Bum, ba, 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 bum. All you need is love. Love. Love is all you really need. Now, I just want to tell you something. Those words, even though they were sung frivolously, were very, very powerful words. Because you see, without love, man, life is hard. Without the love of God. If, there's Christians that don't know God loves them. They're always trying to perform for God. They're always falling short. But the reality is God loves us so much. And see, when, when we understand his love, then we can love other people. And so love is essential to true fellowship. God's nature is love. Jesus demonstrated the love. And you know what? Jesus said in John 13, right at the end of the chapter, he says, this is how people are going to know that you're a follower of mine. By the love you have for one another. Not by the scripture that you can memorize. Not by how holy and smart and awesome you think you are. But by the love that you have for each other. That is what's going to tell the world that you're a follower of mine. And so I got to say to you, I said, you know, it's not that easy. It sounds easy, but it's not hard because sometimes we get wounded. When we get wounded, we've got to forgive. Jesus was deeply wounded. He hung on a cross in agony and he said, father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And oftentimes the people that hurt you, they don't really understand what they're doing. Sometimes it's motivated by the enemy. They just don't understand. And so we got it. We got to walk in that love because when we don't, bitterness forms in our heart and it messes us up. And so it's not only transparency, but it's also love. God has unconditional love for us. We've got to have unconditional love for others. You know, Jesus said the same love that I have loved you with, love others with that love. Wow. That's hard. That's why we need him so much. And goes on to say this, Proverbs 18, 24 says, friends come and friends go. But the friend, but a true friend sticks by you like what? Like family. See, a true friend sticks by you like family. Now I've gone through some real struggles in my life and I want to thank God for those friends that stayed with me. You know, it's interesting. Um, I remember when I went through a tremendous crisis in my life and I thought there were friends that were with me and turned out a lot of those friends really weren't with me. They felt uncomfortable with what I was going through and they kind of went the other way, but other people were really with me. And I learned, wow, these are the people that are really my family. These are the people that care about me. You see, it's the people that will walk through the difficult times with you. That's what really it's all about. And that's what true fellowship is all about. You know, the scripture tells us in 1 Corinthians 12 that when one suffers in the body, we all, we all feel that. We all suffer. When one rejoices, we rejoice with that person. And so that's that connection. It's so important. Okay, now, look at, you know, John. In 1 John chapter 4, uh, the apostle John, again, he says something again. He likes that word liar for whatever reason or lying. And he says this, if someone says, I love God, well, I love God so much, but I hate a fellow believer. That person's a liar. Now that's strong words. In other words, if you say, oh man, I love God so much, but boy, you know, that S-O, whatever, uh, S-O-G, S-O-G, son of a gun, see? You, th you thought I was going to slip. I didn't slip. <laughs> I realized where I am. Okay. So anyway, <laughs> anyway, you know, I'm part Italian. I 
you know, wrestled most of my life. I mean, I, you know, I grew up in a, you know, kind of a rough area. Anyway, what I want to say is my whole, my whole way of approaching things were, you know, I'm going to get even and then I'll get forgiven later. Now, I just want to tell you, that's not the way to approach it. Anyway, that's not the right way. Because Jesus says, <laughs> you know, or John says this. He says, if you say, I love God, but you hate a fellow believer, you're a liar. Now, that's tough. For if you don't love people who you can see, who are made in the image of God, I'll add, how can you love God whom we cannot see? And he has given us this command. Those who love God must also love their fellow believers. You know, that's a simple word, but it's not an easy word. But it's a key word. It's so important that we allow God to really move in our lives. Now, I want to go to the last one, C. Say commitment. You know, I think one of the keys in true fellowship is commitment. It's commitment to that person Commitment to the relationship, even when the relationship goes south. You know, I grew up in Pennsylvania, north of Philadelphia. I grew up with two other brothers. I'm the oldest. My middle brother's five years younger. My youngest brother's 10 years younger. And, you know, we grew up, we had a pretty good relationship growing up. And, uh, but, my, you know, my one brother lives in Pennsylvania where I grew up my youngest brother. My middle brother lives in Cape Cod and I live out here. So we don't get to see each other much. We used to, when the kids were little, we'd get together families. Well, the kids, you know, they're older now and some of them are married. And anyway, long story short, uh, I've been really having it on my heart to get together with my brothers because we haven't gotten together for a few years. So it finally happened from the 12th to the 15th of July, we got together and I flew out I flew into Logan Airport in Boston, and uh, my brothers picked me up. We, we drove to Vermont. Uh, we spent three days there, three or four days. Anyway, it was awesome time. We got to share our hearts. We got to pray for each other. See, I was the first one that became a Christian in my family. Then my parents and both my brothers. And uh, we, we got to share our hearts. We got to cry with each other. We got to pray with each other. We got to have fun with each other. Uh, we were in Stowe, Vermont, and they just, that's a scary, they just put in this new zip line. And the zip line is 10,000 feet long, not straight down, but 10,000 feet long. It's, it's an amazing zip line, you know. And so, so anyway, so we go, we go, and we, we, we said, hey, we're going to do this zip line. We're all excited. So we, we get there. And uh, so we head up in the gondola. We get to the top of the mountain. <laughs> and I'm looking down and it is intimidating. I mean, it is a long way. And I'm thinking, whoa. And my youngest brother goes, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing this. <laughs> I go, look, you're the youngest. You should be the bravest. He goes, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. And I said, come on, come on. So we're encouraging my other brother. Finally, he would not do it. <laughs> he didn't do it. And so... So what it was, it was two parallel zip lines going this way. And so my other brother, he's really competitive. I'm not that competitive, but he's really, <laughs> he's really competitive. And he goes, let's race. And I go, okay, you're on like that. So, so anyway, there were actually three, there were three things. The first one went down and then you jump to the next station and the next one went down and then the third one. So we're in the first one and they instruct us and everything, you know, and the one thing you don't want to do in a zip line, you don't want to turn like this because if you turn, you got to let up a little bit and then the brake brings you back. And so you're, you're just, you just want to, you know, so anyway, so on the first one, man, we're both going all out. We're neck and neck. All of a sudden I start to turn like this, you know, and he beats me. 
He goes, I got you. I go, yeah, you did. Okay, but I'm going to get you on this one. Anyway, on the next one, that was the steepest one. So I thought, man, I'm going all out on this one. So anyway, we both go all out, and I beat him. Anyway, <laughs> and, uh, and so now the rubber match, the third one. So we get to the third one. That was the longest one. And so the lady's up there, and she goes, now, if you'll see, there's no tree line here. So I would advise you to not go too fast coming out of the chute because, you know, you'll turn. And then when you get to the tree line, then go for it. And I'm thinking, that sounds like good advice. So I'm, I'm thinking, okay, so I, I'm going a little slow out of the chute. My brother does not listen to this lady at all. <laughs> that turkey, he takes off full, full speed. So I'm trying to catch up. And I'm actually, I'm going full bore, and I'm starting to catch up to him. And all of a sudden, guess what happens? I start to turn. My brother's at the bottom of the finish line going like this, you know. <laughs> He beat me, but I'll tell you, we had a great time. We had so much fun together. And, uh, you know, it was just, a, it was an amazing time. So I, I just, I, I got to tell you that true fellowship also includes time together. You know, you got to spend time with people in order to have that true fellowship. So, so it's, it's not only uh, transparency and love and commitment, and that commitment really comes with time. That's the time aspect of it. You know, there's a story in the Bible about David and Jonathan. David was, you know, an amazing king, and Saul's son named Jonathan, he became such a close friend with Jonathan. They became like blood brothers. They just loved each other so much. They poured out their lives for each other. And I want you to know the commitment that David made went beyond the death of Jonathan. Jonathan was tragically killed, and then actually it says in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 6 and 7, uh, you know, what happened was when Jonathan died, David went and looked for the children of Jonathan so he could take them in and help them. There was one child who was really an outcast. He was disabled. He had been dropped as a baby. He couldn't walk. Uh, his name was Mephibosheth. And he finds Mephibosheth. And he says, when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honor. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid. Mephibosheth was afraid of everything. He'd been rejected. He'd been an outcast. Very difficult to be disabled in that culture. And he was just totally rejected. And David says, listen, I don't want you to be afraid. And he said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. You see, because of that relationship we had with Jonathan, it went beyond Jonathan's death. And he said this, he said, I will restore to you all the land all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And he did that. He, he gave it all to him. And he said, you will always eat at my table. From that point on, Mephibosheth always ate at David's table. That's commitment. And I want you to know in relationship commitment, sometimes it takes sacrifice. It took a sacrifice on David's part, but it's all worth it. Why? Because that's what true fellowship is all about. That's what God's called us into. You know, <laughs> through Jesus, we have received the Holy Spirit and making it possible for us to live in true fellowship. This is Roman numeral something. Anyway, uh, but listen to this verse. God is faithful, who has called us into fellowship, that's the word koinonia, true fellowship, with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So in other words, we're called into that fellowship, and here's what I, I gotta tell you, I, you know, after I got out of college, I was lost as a post. I, I was trying to figure out life. You know, I got into drugs and all kinds of other things. I ended up living in a, in a commune. I guess you could call it a hippie commune. I had long hair. Now try to picture me with any hair, let alone long hair. <laughs> I know, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough one, I know. Anyway, I lived on this commune, and we were really idealistic. We thought that we would create 
a new way of living, like a culture that didn't depend on the materialistic society, that we would grow organic vegetables and fruits and raise animals, and we would wa- live in community. And, and, you know, and, and at first it started out well, but then it began to shift. And people began to sleep with each other. And, 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 and it just, the morality just kind of ate up what we were doing. And it just ruined everything. And you know what I've learned? You can't really walk in true fellowship, in real community without Jesus. Because you can't do it. You need Jesus to walk in real community. It just doesn't happen. We tried. We were idealistically driven. We thought we can do this. We couldn't do it because we didn't have Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. Thank God for Jesus. I mean, when you think about it, and because he's come into our life, we have that opportunity. But sadly, a lot of Christians don't live it. They don't walk in it. And so it's available to us. You know what? My last point is, it's a very true point, even though it's kind of a difficult one. It says, true fellowship is forged out of adversity. Say adversity. Do you know that David and Jonathan never would have become friends had it not been for the fact that Jonathan's father was constantly trying to kill David. There was one time he just barely missed him with a spear. He was constantly after him. What this did was it bonded in the adversity that David was going through and and it broke Jonathan's heart and he would warn David. He saved David time, many life. And of course, David saved his children's lives later. But the amazing thing was that that relationship was forged out of tremendous adversity. David's life was on the line constantly. Do you know that the early church, we read about how powerful it was in Acts chapter two, and I'm going to read that to you in a second, but we read about that. But do you know that was forged out of some of the worst persecution? I mean, there were Christians being killed. Saul was one of the ones who was killing Christians, but they were killing Christians. If you were a Christian, your life was in jeopardy. They had a very, very difficult time living. And in fact, making a living was difficult because people didn't want them working for them. And so out of that forged of adversity came real community, came true fellowship. You know, it's interesting. Proverbs 17, 17 says a true, it says a friend loves it in all times and a brother or a brother or sister is born for a time of what? Of adversity. It's out of that adversity. It's out of the difficult times. I got to tell you, in the most difficult struggles that I've had, those are some of the strongest relationships. You know, people that go into combat together. They form relationships that last forever. When I went back to a reunion recently in my high school, I found out that the people I really gravitated toward were the, was, were the football players on our championship football team. We, we, just, we were in the trenches together, and we really had bonded, and we still, over all these years, we felt such a bond because we had had that, that kind of adverse situations that we'd gone through together. And so I just want to say to you, when adversity comes, you can have a different attitude about it. You can realize that's a time to allow those relationships you have to be forged and to be increased and to become more real. Why do you think that happens in adversity? Because in adversity, we realize how much we need each other. When everything's going well, you know, hey, you know, it's good. Yeah, I got some friends, but hey, you know, I'm doing fine. I don't really need friends. I don't even need Jesus that much, but you know, I'm glad he's there, but no, 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 no. We need each other. And in adversity, we realize the importance of how much we need each other. You know, I don't need to tell you that. When you're going through it, you know, when you're going through a crisis, uh, you know, it's not money that fixes it. it. That doesn't fix it. That may alleviate some of the situation. 
It's not, you know, just having the crisis ends. It's friends walking with you through that, having Jesus walking with you through that. That's what really makes, makes the difference. And when you get to heaven, you know what? You're not taking any stuff with you. Did you know that? All the energy put into stuff. None of that stuff's going to heaven. I don't know. I hope, I hope that doesn't upset you, but you're not taking any of that stuff. You know what? All your accomplishments, when you get to God and say, God, look what I've accomplished. He's not going to be impressed with those accomplishments. He's God. But you know what he will be thankful for? Is your character. Because your character, that's what he cares about. And in the crucible of adversity, your character has changed and the relationships you've built with those other believers who are going to be in heaven and those relationships will continue in heaven. So we need to focus on what's important, don't we? It's relationships. It's not the stuff. It's not even our accomplishments. It's our relationships. That's what's going on into heaven with us. Okay. It's awfully quiet in this Presbyterian church. Anyway, Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Here we go. You ready? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. There's the word. True fellowship. True koinonia. To the to the breaking of bread and to prayers. Everyone was filled with awe in the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. There's the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit doing miraculous things. All the believers were together and had everything in common. That's the word koine, again, that we get koinonia from. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread uh, in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Man, they were having a great life together. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to them, to their numbers daily, those who were being saved. They didn't do big crusades. Not that that's wrong. They weren't handing out tracts on the street. Not that that's wrong. You know what? When the world saw what they had, the world said, we want, we want what you have. We want that community. We want what you have because we don't have it. I'm telling you folks, when we walk in real community and real true fellowship, that's what the world desperately wants. You don't have to try to sell them on Jesus. They're going to know that Jesus is the center of that. It's going to draw them in. We're here in this community to transform this community. Not just us alone. We're, we're partnering with other churches. We want to see this community and the surrounding communities changed by the power of God. You know how that's going to happen? It's going to happen through true fellowship. I want to pray for you this morning. Father, as we come to you this morning, I thank you. With heads bowed for those that are here, Father. And, you know, most of all, Lord, first of all, it's got to start with koinonia with you. It's got to start with that relationship with you, Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ. Now, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to give you the opportunity this morning. I'm not going to have you stand or come forward, but I'm just, it's so important that you're honest enough to say, Lord, I really need you. Maybe you say, I've had a relationship with you, Jesus, but man, I've, I, I, to be honest with you, Jesus, I've kind of moved away. Well, I want you to know he hasn't moved away from you. He's just waiting for you to come back. So if you're in either one of those categories, we had several in the last service, I want you to just raise a hand. I'm not going to have you stand or come forward. But I want you to be honest enough so I can pray for you right where you're sitting. God bless you. I see that hand. God bless you. Other hands. Kind of wave at me. God bless you. Other hands. Thank you, Lord. I see that hand right there. God bless you. God bless you. Right there. I see you. God bless you. Right back over on this side. I see you. God bless you. I'll tell you what. Put your hands down. I see that hand too. God bless. I'll tell you what. I want everybody to pray this simple prayer. Say, Lord Jesus, I desperately need you. 
please forgive me of all my sin. Thank you that you do. Come into my life. Make me the person you want me to be. I'm yours, Jesus. You're my Lord and Savior. I'm coming back to you. Let's give Jesus a great hand. Hallelujah. God bless you. 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 God bless anybody else I missed. By the way, if you gave your life to Jesus for the first time, please fill out a card. You can drop it at the Welcome Center. You can give it to one of the ministry teams. You can give it to me. I'll be in the foyer. And uh, we have a Bible if you need it. We want to help you to grow in Christ. You know what? We're going to receive communion this morning. And I believe this is so important because I don't want you to receive communion today in a religious way. I want you to be totally transparent with God. Maybe you've been wounded. Maybe you've been injured. You know what? This is a great time, and you're still harboring some of that. Great time to let that go. Maybe, maybe you did something really stupid. Great time to receive forgiveness. Maybe you're just feeling really anxious and just really pulled apart in different pieces. You know what? I just want to tell you this morning that Jesus' body was broken for you, that you could be whole. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go ahead and receive. I'm going to pray over this, but I want you to receive what represents the broken body. Hold on to the cup. We're going to drink the cup together. Lord Jesus, I pray that you will minister wholeness through your broken body. Thank you for letting your body be broken, that we could become whole. In Jesus' name, hold on to the cup. We'll drink the cup together.